It's a tradition unlike any other. Pakoda undervaluing the Cardinals. Welcome into the show, Brendan Schaefer. <laughs> Brendan Schaefer joining you here for a Tuesday edition of B Shafe Daily. And if the way I began the show today doesn't make sense to you yet, hopefully it will in a minute. I'll explain what I meant by Pakoda and all these things. If you're not familiar, I'll make you familiar in today's show. Welcome in to the show, the final show from Missouri, recorded live in Missouri before I head down to Florida to Jupiter. My flight out of St. Louis is 5.35 a.m. on Wednesday, so I'm not sure how much of the action I'll actually get to see on Wednesday, but then I'll be there for about three weeks, leaving uh, the evening of March 4th is when I will depart Jupiter. And everything in between will feature plenty of Cardinals coverage at KMOV.com and the Baseball STL app. All my stories will land in both of those places. And as well on the podcast, B-Shafe Daily will be coming to you from Jupiter, Florida. And so obviously I don't have any insight on today's episode from Jupiter, but that's okay because we do have a pretty good, interesting topic to discuss. And that is Baseball Prospectus and their annual Pakoda projections and what they do over at Baseball Prospectus. And I'll read directly from their website describing what the Pakoda projections are. Pakoda stands for Player Empirical Comparison and Optimization Test Algorithm. And then they make it sound nice and pretty by labeling it Pakoda. It's their proprietary system that projects player and team performance. It takes a player's past performance and tries to project the most likely outcome for the following season, looks at all the numbers, all the numbers that make up the numbers, to see which players are more likely to repeat their success and which one benefited from good fortune. Another way to put that would be which players have been lucky in the past, which players have been unlucky, how do we expect that luck to change based on the underlying numbers. So again, this is another thing I know I, I try to describe some of the advanced analytics, some different numbers that are utilized in Major League Baseball today, and I myself don't claim to understand the ins and outs of what all of them mean, but Baseball Prospectus, a, a well-respected, reputable site. Their website, you know, the, the work they do is well-known, well-regarded. And so their Pakoda projections, I don't need to understand the ins and outs of everything that goes into them to know that, okay, it's it's a well-respected organization that every year comes up with their projections for what the season will look like. And they do. They do excellent work at Baseball Prospectus. The problem is when it comes to the Cardinals and Baseball Prospectus's Pakoda projections every year, they are off on the Cardinals. And that's okay. It's okay to be wrong because these projections, the way they they put them out, it's actually describing a range of potential outcomes and what they show as kind of the simulated win total, loss total for each team is more of, you know, the middle ground of those range of outcomes. I don't know if it's proper to say median I don't know if that's the proper mathematical terminology but it's the it's kind of the middle ground of all these projections and simulations that they run so it's not exactly accurate to say well the Pakoda predicted the Cardinals to win x amount of games and they actually won this many and so Pakoda was wrong I understand that that's not actually a correct way to phrase things but their middle ground projection for the Cardinals every year I think dating back to maybe like 2013 might even be longer than that. I think in 2013, they predicted the Cardinals for like one fewer win than they actually had. 
And so, okay, that's not a big deal. That's they, they were pretty much spot on. you got to give credit where it's due. But it's interesting that in every season since then, whether they've been off by a game or two games or seven games or ten games as they were in, in one recent season, no matter what it's been, Pakoda has always projected the Cardinals for fewer wins than they've actually earned out on the field in the subsequent season. And never once did they say the Cardinals were going to be better than they actually proved to be. Not since at least 2013, from what I look back at, at a quick search this morning. And the Pakota projections will always evolve throughout spring. Um, and even throughout the season, I think there's some you know ways they can do a midseason evaluation and say, okay, based on what's happened, we know more information than we did. Here's what we think is going to happen the second half of the season. But always using their springtime uh, you know, early February, sometimes late January, I try to find their first initial edition of Pakoda. And without fail, the Cardinals always outperform Pakoda's rankings. In my estimation and my prediction, 2020 will not be any different because Pakoda, baseball prospectus, they came out with the Pakoda rankings for the 2020 season. I shouldn't even say rankings, it's the projected win totals. And I've got the National League Central here in front of me. I might try to track down for later in the show if I, I want to dive into my thoughts on where they might be missing throughout the rest of the league. But certainly the NL Central is what fans of the Cardinals and, and most likely listeners of this podcast will find to be most relevant. So we're going to dive into the projections today uh, for the show of Pakoda for the NL Central. So Pakoda's prediction for I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go from worst to first and kind of do a little unveiling. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll start with the bottom and work my way up. Have in your head where you predict the Cardinals will finish in the Central this year, and then I'll tell you where Pakoda says they'll finish, and that's not even as interesting to me as the win total Pakoda is expecting for the Cardinals. So starting with the bottom, the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think they've got that spot on. They actually predict, according to their simulated win total, loss total, the Pirates to win about 70 games this year, which would be 92 losses. I think that's a little bit more favorable. But in general, when you have teams that are either extremely bad or extremely good, these projection systems tend to be conservative a little bit in both directions, really. They they shy away from extremes in many cases. So in 2015, when the Cardinals won 100 games and Pakota said they'd win like 89 or whatever they said, you can understand to an extent that Pakota wasn't going to go out on the limb and th their predictions were not going to be that the Cardinals were going to win 100 games. Very rarely. I do think I saw they've got the Dodgers over 100 for 2020. That's kind of understandable, though. I think that's probably still a little bit heavy-handed. I wouldn't predict anybody to win 100 games myself, but if, if one team is going to be able to do it in the NL, to, to go out and say it would be the Dodgers, not that insane. It's not a crazy prediction to have. But, to, you know, that's I, I go through this to say when they predict the Pirates for 70 wins, I think that's a little lofty, but understanding that they don't tend to say teams are going to be god-awful, um, I think that kind of makes sense. And so I'll look through the rest of the rankings and see if that's actually true, that there's nobody predicted to be terrible. Um, I'm sure there are a couple teams below the Pirates, at least uh, maybe even a handful. Um, but I think it's possible that when 2020 is all said and done, the Pirates end up as one of the bottom five teams in Major League Baseball, even though there's still a few tankers over in the American League um, that I think will be below them. I think maybe the fifth worst, sixth, seventh worst, worst team in baseball, I think that's potentially the range for the Pirates to end up. 
And they've got them at last place, fifth place in the NL Central. I totally agree with that. No problems here. We're moving on to fourth place, and that's where Pakota has the Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers checking in next. Pretty big gap between fourth and fifth, which is something I've been saying all spring long. Uh, not just me. Everybody kind of can recognize that the Pirates look like the basement dwellers, and then the next four, it could be kind of up in the air. There's a nine-game gap in what Pakota predicts between the Pirates in fifth and the Brewers in fourth. They've got Milwaukee at 79 and 83. Nine-game gap. Between Milwaukee and the team Pakota says will win the NL Central, there's only a seven-game gap between number four and number one. So kind of playing out, at least according to the way we've described uh, how we kind of thought about it earlier in the offseason on this podcast. I said it could be a toss-up between those four teams. I think they're all talented in their own regard. Any of them could win the division, and it wouldn't outright stun me for that to take place. Okay. So 79 wins over the Brewers. Fourth place, that's a little bit below 500. They've got the Brewers at 9.7% chance to win the division, 20.3% chance to actually make the playoffs. With the wild cards in effect, I think that's probably about right. I don't have any issues with that. But let's get to number three because this is where I I kind of am going to disagree. And again, what's great about this is I don't have to come out and, and be big and bold and say, oh, this is so wrong, this is terrible, I disagree. Uh, because I don't know. None of us actually do. We'll find out at the end of the season what actually happened, and we can talk about, oh, yeah, they missed projection or they made projection. That's perfectly fine. I'm good with that. But I can say that I disagree and the reasoning for it and go on that limb, and then we'll find out later on, which is correct. I disagree with not necessarily the idea that the St. Louis Cardinals could finish third in the NL Central, which is what Pakota has. They've got the Cardinals finishing in third. I, I don't have any major disagreements or qualms with the idea that somebody could think that. I do tend to have a disagreement with the idea that the Cardinals' simulated win total is 80 games. Pakota has the Cardinals going 80 and 82 in their middle-range likely outcome for their 2020 season. And I just do not see it that way. Cardinals haven't had a losing season in 13 years They won more than 90 games a year ago to win the division, to win a playoff series and reach the NLCS. You look at the team, the returning from last year, pretty much the same roster, except for no Marcelo Zuna, no Jose Martinez off the bench, you know, no Rosarena, but that's, you know, kind of tertiary, complementary pieces. Ozuna's the big one that you lose. I've said over and over again, I don't know how actually big of a loss that will end up being because you've got Dylan Carlson that could be, you know, a, a future all-star and he could be an all-star this year. Like if they give him a chance and he, he, he performs well in spring to earn that opportunity, they say, screw it. We're putting him on the roster. We're putting him in there. He's our left fielder. Would it shock you for Dylan Carlson to be an all-star? That would definitely be in the upper range of outcomes. It would be optimistic to say it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but would it outright stun you? I don't think it would me if they if he were given that opportunity. Uh, so, you know, it's conceivable that with losing Ozuna, you maybe don't actually lose a whole lot offensively. And then you have the fact that Paul Goldschmidt was way under his, his projections for what he's done every year in his career in 2019. Matt Carpenter had a terrible season. And the year before that, finished top 10 in the MVP voting. Harrison Bader hit 205. He hit 260 the year before. 
was like a three-win player. Still had gold glove quality defense in center field. You know, Dexter Fowler, yeah, he might be about what he was last year. That's fine. Colton Wong had a great season. I think there's plenty of reason for me to sit here and say Colton Wong is going to repeat the kind of season he just had. Gold glove caliber defense, average to slightly above average offensive production because I've been saying for his entire career, this is the guy that Colton Wong could be. And so I'm definitely biased in that regard. I've always been kind of in his corner, loved him as a player. He finally put it all together in 2019. And so could that end up being the outlier where he he struggles at the plate a little bit, has some streaks that aren't so good offensively in 2020, maybe even takes a step back defensively? I guess it's all possible. Uh, I don't think defensively he's going to take a step back. But baseball is a hard game to play, and so I could see him offensively having some times throughout the season where he's not as effective and maybe his season overall isn't as as good. Uh, he's not yet 30 years old. He'll turn 30 this se- uh, this year. And so still right in his prime. No reason to think he's going to start falling off due to age, anything like that. So yeah, I think Colt Wong will have a, a, another good season. And then you've got, you know, okay, Yadier Molina, should mention him. Uh, age is not on his side with this. He's played in fewer games every year for the last three Uh, decreasing because of injury or whatever the case might be. So um, offensively, not great last year, but clutch at times. You obviously remember what he did uh, in that postseason game to to have the game winner push the series to game five, which the Cardinals won in convincing fashion. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and deride Yadier Molina's potential performance, but I could see him having a similar offensive output. He's not quite where he once was offensively. That's, that shouldn't be controversial to anybody, except for maybe Yachty. So hopefully he's not a listener. Um, but looking elsewhere on this roster offensively, I think the Cardinals have a lot of room. I mentioned where there's room for improvement. I think there's room for guys bursting onto the scene. Lane Thomas could burst onto the scene. Justin Williams, left-handed bat, outfielder, haven't really gotten a chance to see much of him uh, in the context of spring training because he was hurt last year. Theoretically, he could burst onto the scene. Tyler O'Neill, I am a little bit lower on than I've seen some Cardinals fans talk about on Twitter. They think he's going to have a big year. He could. For me, though, he's got to stay healthy before I'm going to go out on that limb and say it's going to happen. And he's got to be a little bit more consistent at the plate, which a lot of them do. And I, you know, hopefully Tyler O'Neill has a great season. I just am a little higher on saying I think Lane Thomas could perhaps emerge. I think don't ignore entirely Justin Williams, but certainly do not ignore Tyler O'Neill. His raw power is substantial. It's as good as anybody in the organization from a raw power standpoint. So I'm not, you know, writing him off by any means. Dylan Carlson, probably the highest upside of all of them. Do we see it as early as 2020? Maybe, maybe not, but that list is large enough for me to feel comfortable about left field. I know Cardinals nation as a whole does not, but I've repeated it, and I'll continue to say it, and, and then we'll evaluate as the season goes along. Right now, looking at it, you know, 10,000 feet view, helicopter view, I see it as I think outfield is going to be okay. I think left field in particular is going to be all right, especially Tommy Edmond. I haven't mentioned his name yet. Uh, will he have an OPS of 850 or whatever he had last year? Probably not because, I mean, that's pretty exceptional. Uh, but if he does, you can forget about it because he's probably a five- or six-win player for – if you, you know, prorate that across an entire season, he'll probably play 150 games. So if he's hitting like that, he certainly will. So again, I think offensively, I can see where people are not thrilled over the moon, excited about it, but I don't think it's a worse offense than it was last year. Even losing Ozuna, I don't think it's any worse. Last year, it was mid-pack to kind of 
you know, toward the top of the bottom half of the league. I still think that, you know, it's a middle-of-the-road offense. If that's the case, that's fine. Remember, they won 90-something games last year. Okay, pitching. I think their starting pitching has a chance to be better than it was last year. And this is always a caveat, talking about pitching, health. They got to stay healthy. I get that, though. Pakoda projections are, are, are just baking in what they project for every player. So you can't predict health with some of this stuff. And if I come out here and say, you know, reasonably expecting reasonable amount of health for Cardinals pitching, would mean one starter probably goes down, but you don't lose two or three for the bulk of the season, for, for big chunks of the season. Reasonable middle-level expectations. You probably lose one. You might lose another for a couple months, but then they come back, that kind of thing. You're not losing multiple guys for the year, according to what I'm saying right here, because you, you wouldn't predict that to happen with Pakota either. So to say they're going to win 80 games, but you have Jack Flaherty, potentially a full season of Flaherty being closer to the guy he was in the second half than the guy he was in the first half, that's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Dakota Hudson, I think, is going to maybe take a little bit of a step back as terms of win total and ERA. But I think he's going to grow as a pitcher. He's going to continue to develop. And so maybe his statistics, his his traditional pitching stats, take a little bit of a jump back. But maybe he doesn't lead the league in walks this year. Like, you can see room for improvement, even though overall, expecting his ERA to be 3.35 again and for him to win 16 games again probably doesn't necessarily happen. But still, young pitcher, you could conceivably he could get a little bit better even if the exact statistics don't show it because he kind of played a little bit above his head in 2019. That's fine, but he's still here. Adam Wainwright, what he did last year, as long as he's healthy, I'm expecting pretty similar numbers. ERA in the low fours, he'll give you 31, 32 starts, more likely than not, as long as he's healthy, and he'll pitch you know, 170, 180, whatever it is, innings. He'll be fine. He'll be a really solid you know, back-into-the-rotation kind of pitcher. Now, if he could figure out what happened on the road last year, he could be a really good pitcher once again because he was exceptional at home, ERA under three. So, you know, that's kind of what lays before Wainwright to see if he can attack at, you know, attack on the road the way he attacked at home last year. We'll see if it happens. Michaelis, I think, is, you know, and again, I could totally understand you thinking, yeah, Michaelis was mediocre last year. He's going to be worse this year. That's my stance. Well, it's not my stance. I think he's going to be better than he was. I think he'll be between his 18 and 19 stats. 2018 ERA was like 2.83. Last year it was over 4. It was like 4.16 or something like that. I think it'll be in the high threes. You could call 3.9, 3.8. That's still a really solid number three, even an acceptable number two in your rotation, especially if he gives you, you know, 185 and 190 innings once again. He's done that two years in a row. In 2018, he pitched 200 innings. So I'm fine with Miles Michaelis. Okay. What else you got? Well, looking at the bottom of this rotation, it's really not the bottom. Carlos Martinez potentially is back as a starter this year. That was not a thing they had the benefit of a year ago, and they won 91 games. Okay, can Carlos Martinez be a starter? I don't know. Pakoda's going to do their darndest to project his you know, win total, what he adds to the team, based on where he's going to be in, in the most likeliest of scenarios. That's probably a really hard thing to bake into something, and, and I haven't looked at the individual numbers to know, okay, they actually have Carlos at, you know, whatever it is, one win added instead of four, like he would be if he were a, a starter 
of the caliber of the ilk that he was from 2015 to 2017. So maybe that's a few wins right there that if he's a starter and they're projecting that he isn't, okay, suddenly you're understanding how they got to 80 instead of a more reasonable win total. Because I just, I just think 80 as the middle ground is kind of wild because that would suggest that they're just as likely to be 79, 78 as they are 81, 82, and just as likely to be, you know, 70 wins as they are 90. I think that's that would be just... And again, I haven't looked directly at the bell curve, but assuming it's kind of a bell curve and, and, and not suddenly once they get to like 75 wins saying, oh, there's no chance, but it's giving them more of a chance to win 87, 88. Maybe it's, maybe the curve does that from their, their projected outcomes. I haven't seen it, but I would expect that you're allowing for wiggle room on either side of that 80. So for them to think that it's, you know, equally likely for the Cardinals to suddenly have out of nowhere after being above 500 for 13 years in a row, a 75 win season, as it would be for them to be, you know, right around where they were last year or even a little bit worse, I think is, is I, it just doesn't jive with me. It doesn't make sense. I don't know how you get to that number. But again, Pakoda's been this way with the Cardinals for a long, long time. It, it's always been under, sometimes only by a game, sometimes by more. I don't believe in devil magic, but there's for, for whatever reason, I think there is something that you can look at and say, the way the Cardinals play baseball, the, their style of game, their style, the way they win – you know, has been with probably more so than than offense pitching, and that's the way that they're set up this year is to try to win with pitching. So, when I look at their their rotation, I don't think it's going to be given health any worse than it was last year. I think it could actually be better, and it finished in the top five in ERA last year. Carlos Martinez back into your rotation would be a huge boost. Now, you asked me a percentage on that happening. I don't think it's fifty percent. I think it's less. I'm I'm approaching this with caution because we've seen too many times over the last few years, Carlos have issues for whatever reason. If it's his physical health, if it's something else, I don't even, I'm not even going to try to like quantify and tell you exactly why. I just, all I know is it hasn't happened for two years that he's been in the rotation for a full season. So to expect that it's just going to, this will be the year that it bounces back, I think is a little bit bullish. I'm more around the one third chance that it happens you know, 33% chance he returns to the rotation, maybe another 40% chance that he, for whatever reason, you know, that, they, that he can't handle the workload of a starter, but he can be the closer again. That'd be fine. It wouldn't be nearly as good as him being in the rotation. But if he can contribute, he's a, a talented player, so that would be fine. And then about 25%, maybe he, he wipes out and something happens and he only pitches half the season or, 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 or not at all, you know, or, or a third of the season because he, he gets hurt. Those things are baked in for my projection of what Carlos's 2020 could look like. I hope he blows me out of the water. He's great to watch when he's going, and when he's healthy, he's a blast. There, there are very few pitchers that are more fun to watch get into a groove than Carlos Martinez. So I'm not rooting against the guy, but I, I, I'm just saying where where I think you got to be a little bit cautionary. And the Cardinals are doing the same thing. They are saying we're cautiously optimistic. We're encouraged by his process, by his progress. It's just a little bit of a different way of phrasing it that I'm adding, you know, actual percentages into it publicly on a podcast. The Cardinals have their own ideas of what they expect from Carlos. I'm sure it's not, well, yeah, I'm sure he's going to return to the rotation. Why wouldn't he? The Cardinals don't think that. So baking all of this in, I think there's a chance, there's a reasonable chance Carlos is back in the rotation. And if he's not, you have KK, Kwon Young Kim, who I think could be a two or three win pitcher with 
you know, I'm not going to say with relative ease, but I could really foresee something like that happening based on what we've seen from him in his numbers in Korea. It's possible he's a bust. If he is, it doesn't really matter. They paid him $4 million a year. It's not a big deal. But I'm just looking at the totality of this starting rotation and saying, yeah, I think they could be just as good, if not even a little bit better than they were last year. So let's assume the offense did take a little bit of a step back and then say, all right, but but the, uh, the pitching is going to be a little better. Okay, if you don't buy that, let's say both elements do take a little bit of a step back, even though I, I don't think the offense could be worse than it was last year, even losing Ozuna, based on all the things I've, I've said I believe about this team and, and the way they're constructed going into 2020. I, I, I could see the pitching being worse, but the only way that happens is bad health. I don't think individually the guys who performed in the rotation are going to perform drastically worse if they stay healthy. I don't think that's going to happen in 2020. You could see the bullpen having an issue because bullpens are notoriously fickle. They change from year to year very drastically, and you kind of don't want to put too much stock into, you know, if you like, oh, the bullpen's going to be lights out this year. Eh, it probably means it's going to suck. Like, there's really no way to know year over year how to predict relief pitchers because they do. They, they're they fickle by nature. They, you know, I don't even know that it's they have a short shelf life. I think, you know, for one, they're pitching fewer innings, so it's a smaller sample size of performance. And so it's easier for a guy in one year to be electric, and then maybe the next year he's not. But then two years later, he is again. Like, it, it just kind of ebbs and flows. And so, with all that said, I think looking at the relief pitching in the Cardinals organization, you like getting Jordan Hicks back in July, most likely. You like, I think, John Brebbia, solid. You know, John Gant, solid. Andrew Miller, solid. Like, they've got a bunch of guys I feel solid about. Giovanni Gallegos I feel really good about. But again, year over year, you know, the Yankees didn't think Giovanni Gallegos was one of the best pitchers, relief pitchers in in the game of baseball, or they wouldn't have traded him for Luke Voigt. Like, they didn't think that about him. Now suddenly we do, because we saw it last year. He was. Will he be again? It's hard to say. But I I like the pieces they have in the bullpen. So I think it's reasonable to project project they're going to be a about where they were last year, maybe a little bit less. If you have Carlos in the rotation instead of as the closer, I, I could buy that. But is it 11 wins fewer from 91? In that, I think they were 91 last year. To 80 this season, I don't see any way it's 11, 11 wins fewer as the median projection. And you could say, or as the middle ground projection. You could say they overachieved last year. That's fine. They might have. But looking at their individual performances – find which guys overachieved. It wasn't happening on the offensive end. They didn't overachieve at the plate. That's for sure. Pitching? Yeah, maybe Jack Flaherty overachieved in the second half. Maybe he's not actually Bob Gibson, you know, like in 1968, because that's what he was in the second half of the season. Is better than that. ERA was under one. That doesn't happen. So, okay, yeah, there's, there's going to be some wiggle room for this, but I don't see the Cardinals only winning any games, and, and I certainly don't see that as their middle ground possible outcome. If, if you want to argue their middle ground outcome is only 84 and that they miss the playoffs, that's perfectly fine with me. I would probably be a little bit closer to, to 86 or 87 as their middle ground. Um, well, you know, 80, 85, 86, I think is fair, because I, I don't think as constructed this is necessarily a 94-win team or a 93-win team. I see it about as likely for them to win 80 games as I do, you know, 93 or 94. So maybe 86 or so is where my middle ground estimate would be. And then I, and again, I'll tell you closer to the season what I predict for an exact win total. Um, 
But I think upper 80s pushing 90, you know, right around 90, a little bit below where they were last year because I think the division is stronger this year. I think that's right within the range as of now. Maybe a month from now I have a different view. You'll hear it because I'm going to talk about it here all the time. That's what we're going to do throughout the season is discuss the Cardinals. That's where we'll be. So, again, I, I think it's just a little I, – I think Pakoda's low. 80 I think is low. But is it surprising? No, because they've been low every year since 2013. So it is what it is. I'll give you the division percentage. They think uh, the Cardinals have a 9.7% chance to win the Central. They just won the thing, and they've got them at 9.7, same as the fourth-place projected Brewers. I just don't see it. 24.4% to make the playoffs. And a lot of Cardinals fans might be saying, yeah, that's right. I think they didn't do enough this winter, and, you know, spot on, third place. Okay, maybe they do come in third place. I think they, they finished 500 as a middle-ground projection. Like, the way they don't finish 500 is a ton of injuries, and that would not fall in line with a middle ground projection because you wouldn't predict, you wouldn't project the entire team to get hurt. You know, you'd predict, I can't, I keep struggling with predict versus project. You'd project a normal amount of injuries. So, I think they're low on that. I think they're low on division, low on playoff percentage. They could absolutely be the third place team, but I don't think it's by quite the margin of they're only going to win 80 games. They've got the Chicago Cubs coming in second, 85 wins. Um, and it's like, it's actually 84 and a half, but they rounded up to 85. They're at, this morning, their projection said 85 and 78 for the Cubs record, which would be 163 games. And that wouldn't make any sense. But it's actually because they, they rounded up on both because they had them right at 84.5. So, you know, I think that's probably pretty close for what the Cubs could do. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to be a pretty good team. Uh, especially if they don't trade away guys in spring that like Chris Bryant, if they don't like sell, they're probably going to be pretty good. Their pitching needs to to be better than it has been, but they've got names in that rotation to where it could be. That's conceivable for me. Um, but their per- per- percentage to win the division, 32.6 compared to the Cardinals at 9.7. That feels high. That feels high. And the, the playoff percentage for the Cubs, 51.5 overall. So better than half, better than equal chance to make the playoffs according to Pakota. And then they got the Cincinnati Reds claiming the NL Central. Been a while since that happened. Simulated win total for the Reds, 86 and 76 uh, would be their record. 86 wins. Percent to win the division, 47.3. And I get it. Uh, you know, I, I get what there is to like about the Reds. We've talked about it. Offensively, position player-wise, they run like, I don't know, 10 or 11 deep on guys that could be legitimate, you know, I won't say middle of the order bats, but all of them I'd be comfortable saying if you threw them into the two hole or the six hole for the Cardinals, it'd be fine. Like, I think they've got literally 10 guys that could probably do that from Joey Votto down all the way to like Jesse Winker, who may not play Aristides Aquino, Nick Senzel. Like they, they don't have room for all these guys in their lineup every day. Moustakis, they signed really shortstop. Shogo Akiyama is uh, another guy they signed from overseas. Probably going to be their leadoff hitter. I'd take him at the two-hole or the six-hole for the Cardinals. Absolutely. So I think there are, you know, going to be interesting to see how they how they divvy up that playing time. But they've got skill, and so I can totally understand uh, being high on the Reds. But 47.3 to win the division, probably a little bit high, especially because I don't know that the, the gap between the Reds and the Brewers is that high, is that large, because, mind you, the Brewers were a better team than the Reds last year by a pretty considerable margin. So... It's just crazy to flip it, flip that script to me and not consider all four teams a little bit more closely. 
And then the Reds have a 66.2% chance to make the playoffs after winning 75 games a year ago. It'd be a hell of a jump. It's not impossible to happen either. I just think they're a little more bullish on, like, again, 86 wins winning the division probably will take more than that. Could the Do I have the Reds right around 86 wins? Yeah, they sure could be. I think I said 84 like a week ago when I did the, did the podcast. So 86, I have no really issues with the Reds' win total either. I just think it's crazy, their, their playoff percentage, and that they are basically, by Pakoda, 50% chance to win the division. So interesting stuff. I'm interested to hear what y'all think about it. I don't think the Cardinals are an 80-win team. I think, especially as my median projection, I don't think they're an 80-win team. Um, so I think Pakota a little bit low again on the Cardinals. What else is new? Um, I, I'm not. I, this sounded like a really bullish episode on the Cardinals' chances, but that's because we're comparing it to what Pakota thinks. And I, all I can do is outline what I believe and, and, and do so in depth with each with each player and describe why I think players are going to be better or worse than their projected outcomes. And from there, we'll just have to wait and see what happens during the season. And believe me, when you talk every day on a podcast, you're probably going to say some dumb things. If the Cardinals are not as, you know, if the Cardinals are an 80-win team, I'll have to eat that crow. Totally comfortable with that. Right now, though, I, I just don't see Pakota being quite uh, quite accurate for where the Cardinals will end up this season. Appreciate you guys for joining me. Just kind of ran through these Pakota projections for this episode. Future episodes, obviously going to be from Jupiter, Florida. Excited to do that. Subscribe to the show if you haven't done uh, done so already. I'm really excited to get down to Florida and have new actual information on a daily basis for you guys. It's going to give the show a little bit of a different flavor, um, you know, boots on the ground type stuff. I'm excited to be able to provide that for you guys. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to have you on board there. I'm at bshafer12 on Twitter. Hit me up. Uh, hit me up, anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message if you want to record a message to be played on a later podcast. I'm going to head out for the day. Got a lot of stuff to do. Haven't even packed yet. That's probably bad, right? Leave for uh, Jupiter from St. Louis. 5.30 flight. Got to get to the airport probably by 4 a.m. Got to convince my sister to take me there. Got to get to her place probably about 3.30 uh, I'm in Columbia, so I got to drive there tonight. It's a whole thing. So appreciate you guys for joining me, wrapping it up here. We will talk to you tomorrow from Jupiter, Florida.